Welcome back to Season 3 of Multiclass Theater, now with 50% more class. Multiclass Theater uses Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition by Wizards of the Coast and contains adult language, fantasy violence, pop culture references, and terrible fake accents. But if three seasons of that hasn't driven you off by now, sit back and enjoy the show. Previously... Our heroes brokered a peace between the witches and the Aarakocra of the Shrouded Isle and convinced them to launch a joint attack against the villainous Lord Starge. While this attack was going on, our heroes were able to sneak into Castle Starge, and it's there they've been creating mischief for the last several episodes. But just what has been happening with the witches and the Aarakocra? Has their attack been successful? Or will our heroes have an even bigger problem if they ever make it out of the castle? Find out now on Multiclass Theater! Dawn rises over the forest. Or the murky gray dawn that you all have, well, lived with your entire lives. The combined armies of the Eerie and High Moon gather on the edge of the great forest. There are no tents. There's no pomp. There's no circumstance. You're all gathered for one purpose. Hopefully not your final purpose. The birds of the Eerie, the witches of Hive Moon, stand apart from one another. And in the center, gathered around the stump, is Queen Roxiel, King Akrataki, Anka, and a few other lieutenants from High Moon and from the Eerie. In front of you is an earth-worn bowl, half-filled with water. You peer into it, and the image of the Iron Citadel sits before you. The image shifts and floats and flies across the horizon, as the spell that Roxiel is casting shows you as complete an image of the future battlefield as she can get. The Iron Citadel is a vast, dark, rhombohedral shape set alone in a vast plain. The trees have been clear-cut a mile around the structure. There are no windows into the Citadel. There are no doors. The only opening seems to be a two-meter-wide hole in the rooftop of the Citadel. Surrounding this hole are several battalions, legions, if you will, of dead guard, and many, many siege weapons. Question about those siege weapons? Uh, yes. Are some on the surface and some on the tower? I was waiting for that or waiting for two meters. That's oh, impossible I, even for a computer. I, 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 <laughs> I, I, I was like, which one do I want to go with? Which one do I want to go with? Before we go any further, why don't we quickly go through who you're playing? Uh, I'm Cassie. I'm the GM for the Lovely Craftians, and today I'm reprising my role as Anka. And we are thrilled to have the hyper-competent Anka back. The Yay. party has definitely <laughs> suffered without your presence. <laughs> oh, well, yep. I don't know about that, but... <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> no fair! Adam is playing Ravermick. Ravermick is a uh, fledgling Aarakocra, and he is currently pretty aggressively pursuing the uh, rank of top bow 
and the uh, Aarakocra Rangers. <laughs> oh, I love it and hate it. I love it and hate it. <laughs> I am playing Lonnie, also Aarakocra. Lonnie is something of a... I don't know if Special Forces is the sort of... Thi- but Lonnie, Lonnie is the sort of uh, Aarakocra that, like, they're going to send out when they just want something dealt with. They need something dealt with, and they don't really want to think about how it's getting done. Class-wise, uh, Lonnie is a barbarian. A birdbarian, if you will. Uh, or barbirdian, <laughs> however you prefer. Oh, barbirdian uh, is way better. Barbirdian. Bar- yeah. Barbirdian actually really fits for Lonnie. Is so it begins. The bird puns. <laughs> His feather pattern is very similar to that of a shrike. Um, if you've never picked, seen a shrike before, they are adorable songbirds. Um, they have gray... Uh, plumage on their forehead and back they have uh, white bellies white chin and belly they have a black stripe uh, around the uh, around the eyes and they are also known as butcher birds because of their penchant for skewering their prey on barbed wire thorns any sufficiently pokey stick uh, to allow them leverage to tear it apart uh, they are the only saw the only songbird that eats other songbirds they're delightful so i figure what better barbarian than a butcher bird the only real adornment he has are uh, a pair of what would be what what one might initially take for like i don't know what you call them but like the little flags that you know someone might wear so that they're like strapped to their backs their hands are free but you can still have their banner waving in the background Except, instead of being like flags, these are just poles with really long, nasty-looking thorns on them, onto which he has skewered a variety of small woodland creatures. For later, or for intimidation, whichever. Suppose I, I forgot to describe my appearance. I, I'm envisioning plumage kind of like a, like a kestrel, like an American kestrel. And uh, I think Ravermick has a a long bow and a, a quiver and and he makes the arrows with his own feathers because he knows their aerodynamic properties better than anything else he could and cassie anka has an updated look why don't you let us know Ooh. what she's yeah. looking like these days so um because we know we're going into battle uh we're breaking out the good armor for this and <laughs> um it's studded leather that at least I think that's what it is. Let me double check. Make sure I'm not lying. Yes, it is studded leather. Um, it's black leather, and the shoulder pauldrons uh, have a layer of black raven feathers on them. And the headpiece, it comes down enough that it doesn't obstruct her vision, but it covers her skull from being pierced immediately and dying. And it comes to a point, and that has almost a full mane of raven feathers as well i think i would wear that in real life (laughs) who wouldn't honestly i'm here for it and uh last but not least amanda i am playing angelica she is a human witch and for those who don't know witch is a homebrewed subclass of druid i think she is anka's protege she's like looking up admiringly at anka like i want to be like you someday and she is a a short by which i mean 
maybe five foot tall, sort of meek looking young woman with dark hair that's like tied back in a simple like tie behind her neck. Uh, she's holding a book in her hands and wearing simple clothing with a cloak that is colored like gray and brown colors. And sitting on her shoulder is a small rodent wearing a monocle. And this, this rodent is a pika who is super intelligent, speaks human language, and is named Pika. <laughs> I chose the wrong time to take a sip of something. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I, I believe you said hyper-intelligent. <laughs> he goes for the eyes, Diana. He goes for the eyes. <laughs> he does go for the eyes. Anka, is your familiar with you for this one? Uh, we're going to say yes, and that's my, my tassel worm. So it's not a full-grown tassel worm, because tassel worms are generally kind of large. Uh, this is a baby tassel worm that she picked up, and it is fox subspecies of the tassel worms. So it does look a little bit like a dragonling. It just doesn't have wings, and it's got a very long, sinewy body, fox coloration, so red and then white at the tip of its tail and a little bit on its ears. I'm unfamiliar with this word. Tassel worm? Is that what you're saying? Tassel worm. Yes. Tassel worm. Well, that one's adorable. It's German. Tassel worm. Aha. And most of these that pop up look like cats. It's like half cat, half snake. Okay. Yeah, essentially. But this one is a fox subspecies. So it's got front legs. And then the snaky body. Tassel worm. They're uh, very cute. Don't look at my tassel worm. Do you like what you see? I have been pumping all day. <laughs> Speaking of pumping and strutting, were we standing? Be- I was. <laughs> okay. Um, Are we always standing before you, pacing, to the extent that Aracocra pace. It's more kind of a hop, but it's a hop with a little bit of flair and panache because Akrataki is nothing if not panache. Last time he was dressed down. Today he has pulled out his battle finery, which consists of a far more ornate headdress. Seems impractical for battle, but he has a plate mail breastplate, which covers his important bits, but still leaves his wings free. And strapped to his back, he has two ruined swords. Standing across from him is Roxiel, in the same dark but well-cut dress. She seems to be focused on the matter at hand, whereas Akrataki seems antsy. Sisters, daughters of the night, we have been waiting 30 years for another chance to end the Lord's tyranny. I know not what waits us on the other side of this day, but I know We will make our presence known. He will feel our wrath. She looks to you, Anka. And to you, Angelica. Anka, child. Mother. Is everything all right? I'm just anxious. Excited for battle, that's all. I think perhaps cover might be the best way to go. Cover, you say? Like a storm falling down the mountain or a fog Rolling in from the sea. Something to obstruct them while they're busy with their siege weapons. 
I will make it so. On the other side of the table, Akrataki is getting increasingly impatient. <sighs> I am bored. We are ready. We should go now. Now, now, now! Army of the Airy, are you ready? Army of the Airy, are you ready? <laughs> <laughs> I guess two of us can constitute an army, so... <laughs> ah! Bird sounds! Tweet, tweet! My king, are you sure that the, they, they won't spend several hours dicking around in the dungeon before they confront? You think they're going to survive several hours in the dungeon before confronting? I mean, did you see them? They're like just five assholes. You think that's, that's going to turn the tide of this thing? Of course it will. They're heroes. They were chosen by Anka and Roxiel. They will do what they're told and they will succeed. I have full faith. I was not talking to the witch. Anka looks down at Angelica and is just smiling like, You're, you precious bean. Be quiet, witch. Did you even meet these people? I do not think you have met these people. I met these people and I tell you they are not people to put faith in. To be fair, there were six assholes who went through the Eerie and they were fine. Oh, I wasn't going to count you just out of a modicum of, of diplomacy, but fuck it. Sure. Six assholes. <laughs> so we're taking the word of these six assholes that, that that's going to make any difference compared to the last time we tried this, which, how did that turn out by the way? Oh yeah, a bunch of us got fucked. So... Including your king. Yeah. And perhaps this time those five assholes are what we need, because we did not have them before. Have a little faith. Still swear I smelled a cat in there. Yes! I like this. Five assholes. They will fail. You will fail. We will survive. This is the way it will be. And when I do survive and I come back to you, I expect an apology. Oh, you're not getting one. <laughs> not right now. But we will. We are comrades. We'll do this together. Suddenly, there is a loud clap of thunder overhead. And you hear echoing around the small clearing. Enough! We have no hope to defeat anyone if we bicker and argue amongst ourselves. Look what this lord has done to us. Turned your noble people into bitter recluses whining about old wounds. Do you know how many daughters I have lost to this son of a bitch? No. No more. I will give anything to see this man fall. Now enough with your squawking. It is time to fly. That is what I like to hear. I believe as a show of good faith between our peoples, a small elite vanguard, born of the Eerie and High Moon, should lead our army forward. Anka, you and Angelica will... Ah! Yes, 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 yes. <laughs> Let me do it. I can prove myself. Very well. Be calm. This is your first battle. You are excited. But no, this is not a song. Story is different from truth. Keep your head. Heed Anka. And you will do well. I will, Mother. I won't let you down. She's like bouncing on her, on her balls of her feet excitedly. On the other side of the stump, 
Akrataki puffs out his chest. Yes, well, I totally was going to suggest that myself. <clears throat> uh, let's, uh, so, uh, uh you, Birdberry. Oh, fuck me. You're pretty crazy, huh? I say you. Uh, and you, Ravermick. Yeah, yeah, you too. Uh, oh, I like this. I like this a lot. Uh, you're very spicy. Wow, really going on merit here. Mix it up very well with these two witches. When you say mix it up, I mean show them what we can do as wardens of the sky. I expect you to kill more of these dead bastards than them. Well, obviously. And you can place as many trophies on your back as you can carry, huh? <laughs> At that, he, he reaches up and yanks a bit of natural squirrel jerky and starts nibbling at it. Oh, so gross. Do you mind? I'm a little peckish. I could eat. No, please don't. No. <laughs> what about me? I feel the need. The need for speed. <laughs> Alright, I got it. <laughs> I got it. I got it. I got it. It looks like we're heading into a Danger zone. <laughs> yes, the witch has something in mind for that. So don't go off half cocked and buzz the tower. Damn it, beat me to it. <laughs> what are they talking about? Is that some sort of bird code? Yes, darling, it is. Okay, birds are weird. They really are, yes. But they're good people and they're good fighters. There will be three more witches and three more Ericocra. Together, the ten of you will be our vanguard. So you have, again, three uh, three NPC witches, three NPC Aarakocra, which consider them your red shirts, <laughs> or your cannon fodder. I, I would personally like to invite Goose. Yeah. <laughs> I thought so. I thought my, so. My good <laughs> friend and companion, Goose. He's just a literal Which goose. Which is his actual name. <laughs> just a fucking goose. <laughs> so with your battle plans somewhat decided, and Roxiel granting you cover, the combined forces prepare to take flight. With the four of you, and your, I guess, your infantry, and goose, of course, in the vanguard, the combined army rises into the air as one and you can see, perhaps a mile and a half ahead, the Iron Citadel, dark and imposing against the treeless plain. From the front, you watch Roxiel wave her arms. Thunder sounds across the sky as the clouds begin to gather, moving in on the tower. A fog envelops you. You have your cover. Maybe. This is how it's going to work for the ride in. We are going to do a mini skill challenge. The ten of you begin to move forward. Under cover of fog, quarter mile, a half mile, a mile, you begin to see the citadel looming larger and larger in front of you. It's several hundred feet tall. Anka, you've been here before. You've fought at its base. The rest of you have only heard stories. It is like a dark aberration in the middle of this gorgeous landscape. And suddenly... The clouds around you, the fog vanishes, as if blown back by a mighty wind. You're naked, exposed. Below you, you see the troops begin to scurry towards the siege weapons, the trebuchets, the catapults, 
fires erupt in their basket and projectiles begin to fly. I'd like you all to roll for initiative. 12 initiative. 15 for your bird. I got an 8. 7 for Ravermick. Just like at the beginning of the film. Mike, you are up first. I have no spells, and it's weird to not have spells. <laughs> <laughs> so the current situation is you are in flight, and there is a flaming projectile coming towards you. It doesn't seem to just be a single, like, flaming rock or something like that, but almost more like dozens of small flaming bits of something. You really don't want to get close enough to find out exactly what is on fire. Lonnie will call out to the squadron. Sure, let's embrace it. Incoming surface fire. Break right, break right. And can I make a survival check to guide the squadron to 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 evade the incoming attack? Okay. Uh, DC of this first round is 15. Let's try that survival check. Oh, thank you, D&D Beyond. 21. Okay. You call out your the movements, and you surprisingly, though all of you have just met, you all seem to move in unison and roll or tumble or rise out of the way of the first flaming projectile that soars past. So that is one pass for you. So three passes per round, three rounds. And that brings us to Angelica. Alright, so they're launching projectiles at us. Are they stone projectiles? Are they stone projectiles? Um, okay, so do we go with avatar rules, or do we go with... <laughs> they are actually small, flaming bits of superheated metal. So, geologists. Demon. Tracer uh. fire? That sounds like tracer fire to me. But is it earth? It's not rock, I guess. We're going to go with metal bending here. I think it's yeah, earth bending rules, yeah. I mean, metal is metal is refined... It's ore. Just very refined ore. ore. Yeah. Like, it's, yeah, it's just pure, it's just, okay, instead so of having... We'll, we'll, we'll go with avatar rules. Metal bending rules are in effect, so sure. So Angelica <laughs> is flying around, um, tumbling to the right for some reason. She just felt compelled to follow the orders of the flying birds. And when she sees the flaming projectiles, she yells down at the ground, Metal belongs on the ground! And then she casts Earthbind on one of the catapults so that any projectile that tries to fly from that catapult will get grabbed and pulled back to the ground. Okay. And that's a little loud, but for a skills challenge, it feels good. Yeah, no, okay. DC 15. Add my spellcasting modifier, maybe? Yeah, you add that to it. Oh, 8 plus something is not 15, I don't think. Or is Unless it? that something is 7. Um, well, it's, it actually might be. I think it's 4 plus proficiency 3. I don't, know how to, I don't know how spell casting works. <laughs> You're not playing silly. <laughs> no, like Amanda doesn't know like how to ca- calculate a spell. <laughs> it's proficiency plus spell casting, right? Yes. In that case, it should be three plus four is seven, which does get me fifteen. You cast your spell. One of the trebuchets is in mid fling, and instead of releasing the projectile, it stays in the basket and just falls all the way through and hits the machine itself. Perfect. And it may not be disabled for long, but it's disabled for now. So that is a second pass. And now we come to Anka. All right. I'm going to cast Tidal Wave and see if I can't not just knock some of these out of the way, or at least like get me over them and moving faster down the other side. 
we're gonna go surfing in the middle of the sky and it'll be fine because magic that's an 18 okay that's another pass and that is three successes and we're on to round two so you cast your tidal wave and you and the rest of the group surge forward up and over some of the flaming projectiles that are coming your way and you find yourselves even closer maybe a quarter mile away from the citadel round two spell dc goes up to 16 and we start off with adam adam you're always last for some reason no matter what character you play maybe i need new d20s i uh don't know what it is all right, I think uh, Ravermix just going to uh, go ahead and uh, cast Fog Cloud ahead of us. Try and get us some, some cover as we approach. Cool, uh, that's 13. You cast the Fog Cloud in front of you, and it obscures part of you. But one of your Aarakocra oh, no. is not covered and gets torn apart by the flaming shards of metal. And with a dying squawk, spirals to the ground far below. And then there was nine. No, not Hawkins! Stay on target. Or or Red Turkins. Five. Turkins. <laughs> that brings us back to our bird Barian. What's our what's our range out from the tower at this point? About a quarter mile. Calling the ball. See, now you got me doing it. <laughs> so, I really want to do a strafing run, but I don't think we're close enough for that yet. Well, you can save that for next round. Yep. Lonnie is going to drop out of the fog cloud and veer left to make himself an obvious target uh, and trust in his own maneuverability to avoid what comes at him. Oh, baby, that's a natural 20. All right. (laughs) That is our first pass of round two. You drop out of the cloud. You break to your left. You barrel roll put on quite a show of fancy flying showing these witches how it's done and your ploy works you draw fire allowing the group to move even closer yeah you can't hit nothing okay angelica as they're flying along angelica notices a large hunk of metal flying straight towards them look out and then suddenly casts uh, enlarge reduce on the the projectile to reduce it in size so that it flies harmlessly between the group of them. I like it. I like it. 17. A very large shard is screaming towards you and you wave your hands and you reduce it to almost a pebble that passes harmlessly between the group of you. And a voice from inside Angelica's, whatever, her cloak pocket says, good job, Angelica. Well done. (laughs) (laughs) Good show. And she she, she pats Pika on the head. All right. And that brings us to Anka. Okay, so since we've established that this is earthbending rules for metal, I'm going to use Wrath of Nature, and it's going to drag those loose rocks that are coming our way back down to the ground and try and get them out of the sky. Okay. Uh, 21. That is three successes, and we're on to the final round. Two trebuchets let loose. Your vision is obscured by all the flaming shrapnel heading in your direction. But Anka calmly flicks her wrist and they suddenly fall from the sky down to the earth below. Okay, Ramerick. Where is it? Ramerick? Ravermick. Ravermick, that's Ra- it. Ragnarok. It. Ra- Ragnarok. <laughs> Whoever the hell you are. Rav. Just Rav. That's Rav. Rav. It is up to you. DC 17 now. Ravermick's going to, to whip out his bow, sight at 
one of the operators of, of one of these large catapults. Okay, that's more like it. 19. So you let loose an arrow, and it flies true, catching one of the Death Guard square in the helmet. It stumbles backwards. It doesn't quite misfire, but it is out of commission for the moment. This is what I call a target-rich environment. Okay, that is our first pass of round three. And now we're back up to Lonnie. Yeah, since I've already dropped low, I'm going to do what I wanted to do last round and uh, make a strafing run uh, with my the javelins that I carry for situations where I have to kill something that isn't right in my face. I want to uh, I want to do strafe of this tower with my javelins, hucking them like one might say some kind of air-to-ground missile. Okay. DC 17. Buzz the tower. Basically, yeah. Negative Ghost Rider, the pattern is full. Want some butts! <laughs> um. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Alright. Oh... That's, uh, that is only a 12 on my attack roll. Mm. You swoop down to bust the tower, and you actually take off several heads. You don't get hit. You're feeling pretty, you're feeling pretty cocky. And you look back over your shoulder and you realize that one of your friends decided to follow you down. He wasn't so lucky. As you see him lying on the deck with several arrows in his now lifeless body. And then there were eight. Angelica. All right. If we are now within straping range, then I have a plan. We are. So this is the Iron Citadel. Is it made of iron or is it just called that? Is it stone? It is made of iron. So Angelica uh, follows Lonnie in there to do her own straping run. Uh, but what she does is as soon as she gets within 100 feet of it, she's going to cast Erupting Earth in the middle of the uh, catapult array. So if that works, it should create a mountain of churned earth and stone, which I'm going to say is a mountain of iron shrapnel, and cause some disruption. Sounds good. Uh, no. Thirteen total. Oh, dear. Alas. <laughs> uh, I thought metal was earth. It's not. <laughs> you swoop low, and you try to pull at the cold metal of the citadel, but it doesn't seem to budge. And while you're struggling to take out one of the catapults and to disrupt things, archers take out one of your witches. (gasps) Pika tugs on Angelica's cloak. Angelica, how many times have I told you? Iron is not stone. You cannot use that spell on it. I'm sorry, Pika. I was lost in the moment. Okay, Anka. So we have one pass this round, and we're down to two witches and one bird besides yourself, of course. Seeing my sister witch go down, uh, that's going to be an instant enraging sort of thing. And I want to see if I can get close enough to hit one of them with my thorn whip to grab them and like pull one of these soldiers into each other to disrupt one of their trebuchets. You definitely can at this point. You're you're about to land on top of perfect the citadel. Okay, that's going to be a 25. I'm pissed. This guy's going down. So as Anka swoops in, she lashes out with a thorn whip and grabs one of these dead guard around the neck with the edge of it. And she uses that to sort of pull herself and use that momentum to 
yank them as she flies by, yank them into one of the trebuchet operators so that there's a noticeable hole in their siege line. And then as soon as they're down, she just like lets them go. And hopefully if she lets it go, it goes right down that giant hole that's in the center. Not quite big enough to fit down the hole. Mm-mm. But you drag it over and it gets wedged in there, which is good in that they can't bring up reinforcements, but you're going to have to deal with that before you go down. Mm, that'll be fine. That's two passes. And that brings us to Ravermick. Ravermick is going to... Uh, use ensnaring strike on essentially the biggest ranged danger. So uh, let's say there's a onager that's just about ready to to launch, and he's going to try and hit it with this spell and, and have vines grow out. And, okay, uh, that's a 16. So close. He's doing this inverted, which is why it fails. (laughs) (laughs) We were inverted. Yeah, yeah. So he flips over on his back and he aims his shot and and it just misses by just tiny amount. You're inverted, swooping over the rooftop. On your wing is your good friend, your good buddy, who you came up through the academy with, Goose. The trebuchet next to you fires, but on its backswing, or its follow-through, the bucket catches Goose in the head, (laughs) and he falls to the ground on top of the roof. Goose! I'm going to have to get his bird tag somehow. It's like a wildlife tag that's around his ankle. (laughs) He's a literal goose. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's a literal goose. (laughs) We should have brought three Aarakocra, not two with the goose. Somebody's going to have to tell his wife, Egg Ryan. (laughs) God. I've just been calling it Goose. (laughs) Oh, the dying honk, Goose falls to the ground. No. No. I mean, you know, it played out just like it does in the movie. Your own showboating and stupidity cost you your friend's life. So, you know, it tracks. Basically guaranteed (laughs) as soon as I named it. <laughs> yeah, you knew what was going to happen there. I, I knew. Yeah. <laughs> Foreshadowing. Didn't help that he was a literal goose. <laughs> okay, Lonnie. So we still need one more success, huh? One more success. Yeah, I've I've had it with these uh, dead guard, motherfucking dead guard on this motherfucking tower. That doesn't track. We're not doing. It. It's, I mean, it's vaguely snakes on a plane. Never mind. It doesn't matter. <laughs> vaguely. I am over this, and I am going to drop into the middle of them, raging, and cut down as many as I can with the old halberd. There we go. I also love the concept of a barbarian who rages by saying, "I am through with this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, eighteen. That. We'll do it. After that strafing run fails and I kind of see we lose one of them witches and we lose Goose, I pull up, I do an Immelman, and just like a freaking Stuka, just stoop right into the biggest mass of dead guard I can find. Flare out my wings at the last second to bring my halberd down on one of them, pivot around and sweep uh, with the blade of the weapon and cut down as many as I can with my momentum. Your bombarding strike 
clears an area of the rooftop for the rest of you to land. The five of you stand back to back, fighting the legion that remains. You have them occupied. Your reinforcements land, and it's a rout. Soon enough, there are no dead guards standing, and you find yourselves alone on the rooftop of the Citadel. King Akrataki lands and poses atop the Iron Citadel. He takes a deep breath. He exhales. He looks down, and he sees the fallen goose. And he runs to his side and kneels next to him. No! Goose! Not you! It could have been a dozen others, but not you. Ravermix, like, got him cradled in his arms. We will erect a statue in your honor. Your sacrifice will not have been in vain. Point of order, I do have Revivify on my spell list. I could resurrect him. <laughs> no, no, no. Wait, way to ruin a moment, Ames. <laughs> I'm not quite dead. <laughs> oh, that would be so funny. <laughs> He's just haunted. I've seen the other side, and it's just an endless void. Then it becomes all goth and emo. <laughs> Actually, I'm liking this idea more and more. Zombie goose. At this point, though, if you do it, you're burning a spell slot. So I have three third level spells. While you're contemplating uncooking the goose, <laughs> the Aarakocra and the witches have managed to drag the trebuchet out of the way, clearing the opening. Those of you not gathered around goose are peering down into it, and all you see is blackness. It is unnaturally dark within the citadel. Angelica bends down and places her palm on the uh, the iron surface of the citadel and casts Augury. She's asking the stone... Um, got full metal bending here. Full metal bending, yes. Work, work, Angelica! Wait. The metal speaks to me. It will tell me if it's whether danger is below, or how much danger is below. I think I can answer that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Wait, if it's, if it's been a minute, I'm not raging anymore. And it's got such a homely chinny sound. She's asking if they're, the, the Citadel, if there's enemies waiting on the next level below. That's cool. So I get a wheel or a woe or a whatever between there. The structure below you begins to vibrate. And it's as if the entire Citadel is shrieking. Yes! She yanks her hand away suddenly. The, he- the heavy magnet metal is-, is shrieking at me. There are many terrors below. I would not recommend that you do that again. Why not? This place is evil, and we cannot be opening ourselves up to that. But but, rocks always give me the right information. They're my friends. Until we clear the foe from here, this place is not your friend. <gasps> what has he done to the heavy magnet metal? Akrataki leaves Goose's side and strides over next to you. The area is not afraid. You, Lonnie, go first. Fine. <laughs> so the hole is just a. You're looking down into absolute blackness. Um. If you were perhaps a cat in a very fine hat, you probably know what <laughs> this is. But I have dark vision, but this sounds like magical darkness. Yeah, that, yeah. Akrataki is posing and kind of staring at you. I'm gonna dip my foot down into the darkness to see if, like, how far before my foot disappears into the darkness? Like, how dark is this darkness? You dip your foot into the darkness and you do not see your foot beneath the darkness. You get the sense this is definitely magical darkness. 
How far it extends, you can't tell. Oh, hell, and I will jump in. <laughs> okay, are you going to just jump? Or are you going to dive? Or I'm going to jump, but like spread like wings out to try to, to slow my descent. Give me a dexterity check. Actually, I'll make it an acrobatics check. <laughs> Ten? You swoop into the darkness, and it's a surreal feeling, flying in absolute blackness. You can feel the ripple along your feathers, so you know you're moving, but that's the only indication. You bank one turn, and then another, and as you go into your third turn, you run into something hard and metal in what feels like the center of the citadel. You've traveled downward probably about 50 feet before running into this wall, this object. You can't be certain what it is, but you hit it, taking five points of damage. Ow! And you begin to slide downwards along this vertical surface. You slide 10 feet, 20 feet. Are you going to try to resume flight, or...? I would like to. I think I would like to try that immediately before... Sure. Give me another acrobatics check. Eight. Oh, Virgo buddy. splat. You push off, and you end up pushing backwards and running into another very hard metal object behind you. This time you only take one point of damage, because you didn't push off that hard. But this time you begin a free fall downwards. Would you like to try to resume flight one more time? Yes, please. Go ahead. And maybe scrabble on the wall to slow my descent so that I can get my wings out? You have not actually encountered... Okay, the hard metal surface. Okay. Eleven. Jesus. <laughs> like you're Roton now. You're taking damage. Yeah. You're rolling low. <laughs> you fall. You spread your wings. You begin to circle, thinking that you finally recovered when you hit another metal object, taking three points of damage. I mean, a good way to deal with my broken-ass characters is to just kill them off. <laughs> and then you begin to slide downwards. Would you like to try one last time? Yes, I really would. It's like a pinball machine. I love it. Fucking hell. Fifteen? Fifteen! This time, you push off. You resume flight. You circle around to your left, making a wide turn, continuing your descent. And though you can't see anything because of the thermals coming up, from the ground, you can feel it close by, and you land without incident. You're thinking maybe 200 feet down before you found the ground. I am so incredibly pissed off right now. <laughs> that fucking sucked. Are you raging at the bottom of the pit? <laughs> oh no, you'll know when I'm raging. How the hell is it still dark down here? Did we hear any of that from the rim of the hole? Probably just a lot of pinging. You hear a couple of loud metal thunks. Thud. Fuck! And you hear some (laughs) distant cursing, and then nothing. Angelica's biting her lip, trying very hard not to laugh. So what are the rest of you going to do? So Ravermick is going to get down close to the, the goose's head and say, that was some of the best flying I've ever seen, right up until the part where you got killed. Farewell. And he's going to lay Goose down and then come over to the end of the hole. What did I miss? Oh, your friend was uh, quite the agile flyer down there. Can I do an arcana check to see... I don't really want to waste a spell slot trying to dispel this if I know I can't do it. Sure, you can make an arcana check. Did he go into... The danger zone? 
Uh, that's going to be a 19. You're pretty sure whatever this is, it doesn't seem like a simple darkness spell. All right, then, yeah, I'm going to... I'm going to do a fourth level dispel magic on this guy. Okay. Or at least try to. Big spell slot commitment. Yeah, but if it succeeds, then it automatically ends the effect of the spell on the target, so... Okay, go ahead and roll. All right, dice. Behave. Oh, goddamn. Okay, that's a 25. 25. The group of you up top are looking down into the hole. Lonnie, you're looking upwards towards where the hole must be when all of a sudden the darkness vanishes. The entire interior of the Iron Citadel is hollow, except for an enormous, perhaps 150 foot high, metal statue in the center. The statue is made of the same cold iron as the Citadel itself. It looks a lot like one of the dead guards, the same dark armor. The helmet is that of a fierce black dragon. You can see lining the walls. There almost seem to be little, for lack of a better word, honeycombs, which fill the entire interior of the citadel itself. You don't see any other dead guard within, at least from where you're at. Anka and Angelica, the two of you see in each one of these honeycombs is one of those blue moats. <gasps> oh, hmm. that's where they're stored. So we can we can see every wall on the interior of this. Like, there's no like passageways heading off somewhere, or like dark areas that we can't see. From where you're at, it's tough to see because the statue blocks some of your view. It's an enormous statue. When I say it's filling most of the interior of this base, it is what Lonnie hit several times as he was flying down. Akrataki peers in. Ravermick, you next. Show these witches we are not afraid. Ravermick jumps in. No hesitation. You soar easily around the interior of the vast space, avoiding the outstretched arms of the statue, its legs, and then you find yourself on the ground next to Lani. Are you all right? A little bruised, but otherwise I'm fine. There's nothing in here. Akrataki jumps in and leads the rest of his bird people in, very happy that he's beating the witches and earning honor on this day. Anka's happy to let him do that, and she holds Angelica back. Yeah, right, good idea. Let's go first. But a mistake for fear is actually caution, and we'll let them trip any traps on the way down. She smiles admiringly at Anka. Good idea, good idea, yeah. They can go first. I mean, they brought a goose. Who brings a goose? Seriously. (laughs) I didn't want to say it in front of them, but like, what the hell was that? I mean, who brings a goose? Seriously. (laughs) And then the the pika with like the little monocle comes out. What a stupid animal that is to bring. (laughs) What a stupid animal. Yes, yes, indubitably. It can't even talk. Add that little shit to my collection before this is over. (laughs) You know, I'm starting to get the impression that King Akrataki may be not the best king. He's young, he's brash, he's... feels like he has something to prove. He lands with a flourish. And he's raised his fists towards the statue. Akrad, you bastard! I know you are here. Show yourself. Fight like a man. Or a dead thing. Or whatever you are. 
witches, you saw the moats before, but now... Oh, shit. The Aarakocra see them as well. And a voice fills the interior of the chamber. Akrataki, you have come at last. Do you like the citadel? Now that you have seen its interior, is it everything you dreamed of? You want to dance? It would be my pleasure. The moats from the honeycombs rush forward into the statue. Kaiju. Kaiju. Suddenly. Kaiju, bye. The statue raises its arms, stomps its feet, and lets out a blood-curdling scream. Everyone, roll for initiative. Hey everybody, it's Diana. Welcome to our last solo mid-roll. That's right, only a couple episodes left in the season. And starting with the next episode, not the one you're listening to obviously, but the next one, the gang will be back because we have started recording season four. See, everybody's very excited. Just wanted to touch base with you one final time here. We've been getting a lot of downloads lately, a lot of new listeners, and we couldn't be more thankful and uh, more gracious and more happy that um, more and more people are finding the show. However, we have not had a review in a very long time, and that makes us all very, very sad. So if you have a couple minutes, please take some time, write a review on Apple Podcasts, Google Guess what? Spotify has reviews now. In fact, you don't even have to review us on Spotify. If you listen to us on Spotify, just click the little rate button. And if we get enough of those, then our rating shows up. And that makes us very happy. So please take just a couple minutes and write a review. It helps other people who maybe would like the show to find it. As I said, there's only two episodes left in the season. And so we will be following this really long and really great season with another behind the curtain episode but we need your questions you can submit questions to us via twitter via facebook via instagram at mct pod at multi-class theater multi-class theater you could also join us on our discord i have set up a special discord channel that the cast cannot see and you can populate it with all your questions. And then I will surprise them during recording. If you don't know how to join our Discord, send us a message. You can email us, multiclasstheater at gmail, or you can DM us Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever. And we'd be happy to send you the link. Speaking of the Behind the Curtain episode, and maybe possible questions that people have had or have, Many people have wondered just how and when Gruber and Winley fell for one another. You know, the actual event may very well be lost to history, or more likely the cutting room floor. But you know what? We were thinking about it, and maybe, just maybe, it went a little something like this. The so cock so black of hue with orange tawny bill. The thrusher with fish note so true, the wren with little quill. Oh. <laughs> what angel wakes me from my flowery bed? 
The finch, the sparrow, and the lock, the plain song cuckoo cry, whose note for many a man doth mock and dares not answer nay. Or indeed, who would set his wit to so foolish a bird? Who would give a bird the lie, though he cry cuckoo never so? I pray thee, gentle mortal, sing again. Mine ear is much enamoured of thy note, so is mine eye enthralled to thy shape, and thy fair virtue's force per forth doth move me on the first view to say, to swear. I love thee. Methinks, mistress, you should have little reason for that, and yet, to say the truth, reason and love keep little company together nowadays. More the pity that some honest neighbours will not make them friends. Nay, I can gleek upon occasion. <laughs> thou art as wise as thou art beautiful. Not so neither, but if I had whiff enough to get out of this wood, I have enough to serve my own turn. Out of this wood you do not desire to go. Thou shalt remain here, whether thou wilt or no. I am a spirit of no common rate, but summer still doth tent upon my state. And I do love thee, therefore, go with me. I'll give thee fairies to attend to thee, and they shall fetch thee jewels from the deep, and sing while thou on pressed flowers dost sleep, and I will purge thy mortal grossness, so that thou shalt like an airy spirit go. Oh, is that so? Or something like that. Anyway... Enjoy the rest of the show. Are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> you see, this is why we let them go first. I so want to use my fourth level spell slot to cast Stone Shape and make, make a mustache on the metal the head of this statue. <laughs> Eight, by the way, is six for Angelica. Fifteen. For Aga. 18 for Ravermick. Ravermick, you are up first. Ravermick going to want to get some elevation. So he's going to take off and going to cast Hunter's Mark on the um, giant freaking statue uh, as a bonus action. And then he's going to draw his bow and shoot at it. Okay. That is a natural 20. Ooh, that will hit. That's a good way to start. 15 damage. And since that went so well, he'll shoot again. Yeah, keep it rolling. And this time he's going to use his sharpshooter trait and uh, go for for the eyes. Go for the eyes, boo. 23. That will also hit. Okay, nice. Uh, 19 damage. Did more damage when you didn't crit. Sharpshooter's a pretty great perk. It's now the giant statue's turn. It raises one of its enormous feet and stomps down on King Akrataki, who manages to dive somewhat out of the way, but it still clips his foot, crushing it and knocking him prone to the ground. It also ends up crushing four of the other Arakokra. Oh my goodness gracious. Wow. Then the statue looks skyward. Purple energy starts to crackle the mouth of the dragon head and a swirling sphere 
of necrotic energy launches skyward Ooh. towards the witches. Anka and Angelica, give me a dexterity check, please. Uh, what's that going to look like for my necrotic resistance? Oh. Uh, probably pretty good if you fail it. That's a bad roll. Uh, six. Angelica fails. Angelica failed, but did, did witches have something about necrotic? Right? right? No. Damn it. No, it's a tattoo that I have. Damn it. <laughs> when you're older. Yeah, when you're older. <laughs> Anka, you are able to dive out of the way, but some of your sisters are not so lucky. They would be even more unlucky if I could roll well. No, we don't. We don't need that. You're That's doing okay. You're doing fine. Yeah. Yeah, Just... you're doing great. Keep that up. Angelica, you take eight points of necrotic damage. Ow! As the purple eldritch energy rips through you. But you're lucky. You're on the edge of where the orb struck. Three of your sisters were not so lucky as they fall to the ground to move no more. Okay, uh, Mike, your reaction. As it passes near me, I reach out and swing at it with the halberd. 19 will hit? It will. Oh, no, it won't. Sorry. A 19 does not hit. Correct. Oh, shit. Well, okay, then. Never mind. I swing at it and do nothing. You swing at it, but you are so startled by its movement that you're just a little bit off in your swing. That will bring us to Anka. Can I polymorph into this thing? <laughs> polymorph myself? Oh, you stole my idea. <laughs> into the statue? <laughs> there can only be two. <laughs> Even if you could do it, you could kind of do a facsimile, but it wouldn't be nearly the size. Mm-mm. As cool as that would be to have a true, oh, you know, man. kaiju. Mech battle. Yeah, mech battle. Fine. We are going to do a flame blade on this. Yeah, so I think flame blade is actually a bonus action anyway. So I think what I'm, my main action is going to be jumping down. And I want to aim for wherever that orb generated from, and I want to drive, use like the weight of my falling into it to drive my flame blade down into it. Okay. Oh, uh, so 24. That will hit. 15 damage. You fly straight and true, jamming your flame blade straight down its gullet, or what would be a gullet if it wasn't a statue. (laughs) It pierces the outer skin of this thing. So that brings us to Lonnie. Well, first things first, rage, rage, fucking rage. And uh, I'm going to recklessly attack this thing with my halberd. Okay. Rage, rage, fucking rage. Commonly heard in barbarian nightclubs on rage (laughs) night. I think that was one of Dylan Thomas's most famous poems. Oh, yeah, Dying of the Light. Will a 26 hit? That will definitely hit. And it'll be eight slashing damage with the halberd. Uh, that's my first attack, and my second attack is... Oh, fuck, you died. Uh, 22 to hit. That will hit. Uh, 15 slashing damage. Really getting into character there, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Furious flapping noises as uh, Lonnie's just like... <laughs> slashing at this thing and jabbing at it with the halberd in midair. But easily within 10 feet, because the thing is freaking huge. Angelica. I have an idea for what I want to do, but I need to figure out the dimensions of this space that we're in. So it's a gigantic room. We're at the top of it. The statue is how tall? The statue is probably 150 feet tall. Okay. The room below you is about maybe 200 feet tall. What I want to do is get down there and polymorph into something without, like, falling to my death. Is that possible? (laughs) Well, you can fly, so yeah. 
Can I fly while polymorphed? Depends on the creature. Yeah. If the creature will not have wings, no. Then no. If you polymorph into like a, I don't know, rhino or something, then you're just a <laughs> missile at that point. <laughs> so no flying dinosaur. I want a flying dinosaur. Rhino. Then be a bird. What thought I had was like, can I fly down above its head, turn it into a giant animal, and try to crush the thing? Well, the thing is you're restricted by size. You can't polymorph into... It doesn't say anything about size in polymorph. I've been trying to figure out if this works or not. It's As long as the challenge rating is below, there's seven or below. Well, a sperm whale is too big, so... What's the challenge rating of a sperm whale? <laughs> you would just get stuck across the top. I guess Hilarious. pretty big if you're Ahab, but, like, otherwise... <laughs> it's a gargantuan creature, but it's a challenge rating eight. But a brontosaurus <laughs> is challenge rating five. What? <laughs> Why? <laughs> I don't make the rules. I just exploit them. I'm not opposed to this, but understand you will take damage in the fall. I, you know how much hit points I have? Uh, 121. So I think I'm okay falling and hurting myself, but we'll, we'll see how this goes. She's a bit reckless, Angelica is. So Apparently. Well, it shouldn't hurt you. It will just take the hit points of whatever the form is that you've taken until it hits zero. Then you'll polymorph back into yourself and then take more damage. Exactly. So I could fall, polymorph, crush, we both take damage, and then, oh, that hurt. Crack, crack, stretch, and then go about my day. So Ravermick is trying to gain altitude, <laughs> and he's going to look up <laughs> and see this dinosaur falling out of the sky. You've got the gist of it. It's like that scene in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Oh, yes. that's the best moment of that entire uh, I wonder if it'll be fun to Amanda, describe exactly what happens. She's going to get burned by the shadow. Mother. All right. Pika, remember what we practiced? <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, shit. And he crawls up on top of her head and hangs onto her hair very very tightly. And then she flies out as far as she can into the citadel. And then if she can reach like a head or a shoulder at the top of the statue, she will. If not, she'll just kind of fall from a distance. But then she will polymorph herself into a brontosaurus, which is... No one knows how big a brontosaurus is, so we'll just have to make up numbers. What? <laughs> <laughs> nobody on this, on this podcast could possibly... <laughs> you want a tonnage? <laughs> yeah, Mike, tell me, how many tons of brontosaurus... Lands on Hold on, we, we may need to uh, to do some cross-referencing here. While you're cross-referencing, can I get out of the way? Are you still on top or are you flying around? I was still on top, yeah. Yeah, this all happens very quickly. Yeah, so she flies down into the citadel, like below where you are. Oh, okay, cool. Don't worry, I'm coming! <laughs> and then six seconds later, it becomes a ginormous creature with a huge neck and tail and a tiny, teeny, tiny little Pika holding on for dear life. What is Pika holding on to? Oh god, do brontosaurus have hair? No. no. Uh, I mean, so, okay. They don't have hair. So that would make them a mammal. Proto feathers? Sauropods probably didn't even have yeah. feathers. Um, some did have ornamentation. Um, like, Did they have ears? Not external pinnae like we do. Eyelids? Loose skin. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's there's scales, there's stuff there to grab onto. <laughs> because clinging onto your eyelids. I like the eyelids part. She's like, ah! 
and the monocle has definitely like fallen out and is like <laughs> it's, has it's gone a, upwards. It's as on a fall. chain. It's on a chain. It's on the end of the chain. Yeah. I think if you want to call it thirty tons, that's probably a reasonable size, reasonable body mass. How much damage does a falling thirty-ton creature do to a statue? That is what I'm trying to figure out. So, so just just to give you a metaphor for this, something that comes to mind, the biologist Haldane said on the importance of, of, of size, you can drop a mouse down a thousand yard mine shaft and on arriving at the bottom, it gets a slight shock and walks away. A rat is killed, a man is broken, a horse splashes. Did he do this? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, bring in the horse. <laughs> Worst Gallagher show ever. Oh, we should have started with the mouse. <laughs> How far above it are you going to manifest? The goal was to fly down to roughly shoulder level or so and then, like, turn into your brontosaur on it. On its shoulders. It's about the same size as the freaking statue by the time the thing's done, so. Where exactly are you going to land? Left shoulder. You fly over to its left shoulder. You hover briefly above it, and the rest of you, in the air, circling around this enormous statue, see Angelica vanish, and in her place is an enormous lizard-type creature. You've never seen anything like it. You're not even really sure how she's seen anything like it, since there are no dinosaurs on this island that I'm aware of. The creature falls, landing on the statue's shoulder. You sit there for a moment, thinking, Oh, fuck, this didn't work. When all of a sudden the shoulder starts to give way, and it's as if the arm is hanging from the statue. In your mind, you celebrate. Hooray! And then you start to slide. Those of you flying around marvel as this enormous lizard plummets to the ground below. It hits with a sickening thud. Ames, you take 61 points of damage. Oh, God. Which I imagine is enough to break you out of that form. No, it is not. (laughs) She is a very injured brontosaurus laying on the ground moaning in pain. Pika also takes (gasps) 61 points of damage. (gasps) Is it wrong that I'm laughing? Because I find that really funny. No, no, no we just established that you could drop a mouse Mouse down a thousand (laughs) mine chest. And it will be fine! <laughs> Did Pika get crushed under the brontosaurus? You hear the tiniest tinkle as the world's smallest monocle gets crushed. <laughs> I think Angelica needs to pay for such a reckless action. It's okay, I can get a new familiar in 3D6 years. We are going to say that since Pika... God damn it, there's way too much real-world physics going on in this. <laughs> fantasy adventure with a giant fucking robot and... <laughs> Pika's dead. Adam, it's your turn. <laughs> crushed by a frontosaurus. Pika's <laughs> dead. I'm done with this round. This 30-minute round. I'm sorry. I should have just flown down there and hit it with a stick. Uh, it did take damage, though, so you got that going for you. Okay. So does this statue have any, like, obvious weak points? Like a missing scale or, like, uh, a gap? In the armor. At this point, one of its shoulders is hanging on by the metal equivalent of a thread. Ooh, is it hollow inside? It is actually hollow inside. There's enough space that I could try and and get through. Easily. You could easily get in there. Okay, yeah. I want to fly it. 
Okay. Do I need to make a roll or just, just no? Happens? You you can you can fly in. This is great. I am now the bee in the car. <laughs> what do I see inside? It is as if you have flown into an enormous suit of armor with no body inside. Huh. I'm just gonna shoot in random directions and see if I can find a weak point. So first attack clatters off of something and, and, and falls down. He's gonna draw again. Okay. Uh, how does a 20 work? No? That will hit. It's a hit. Okay. 24. 24 points of damage? 24 damage. It is now the statue's attack. It raises its foot and stomps down on top of Angelica. Ow! Wait, I mean... Or, or do you mean... Doing another 20 points of damage. Ow. She is still a brontosaurus, bellowing in pain. <laughs> She's a brontosaurus. And then it's going to shoot another necrotic bolt at you. It doesn't like me for some reason. Give me a dexterity check. 12. Yeah, that's not going to do it. Not a very... Wait, oh, that was dexterity with my bonuses. The brontosaurus has much worse dexterity. I would hope so. <laughs> so it rolled underneath the foot just to get extra damage. Another 15 points of damage in necrotic energy. Sizzling and maybe rotting a little bit, but she is still a brontosaurus. How many hit points does the goddamn brontosaurus have? <laughs> Originally or now? Originally. 121. Okay, uh, that brings us to Anka. Today, all brontosauruses have zero hit points. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so there was a, a minute of shock there, seeing Angelica polymorph into a gigantic lizard monster. But there's also the opportunity, and having watched... Rever Mick jump into the armhole. Anka's gonna follow suit and accidental pun. Um, oh, uh, that. It's time to do some flame blade from the inside, I think. And I'm trying to aim for. Like, does it seem like there's a center of magic in here at all? Since you have experience with the dead guard over the years, it really seems like it's just an enormous version of what of them. You've never really been sure because the only time you've ever seen them without like a helmet on or anything is when they're dead. So from the inside, I would say maybe you see a glow in the head above you, the helmeted head portion. Okay. I'm going to aim for that with Blade Blade here. Jesus. I, I really wish that I rolled like this a lot because I usually don't. Uh, that's 25. That will hit. 14 damage to his squishy magic bits of burning damage, if that makes a difference. After you light it up from the inside, you hear a voice echoing through the interior of the statue. Now, why are you doing that? Why don't you come out here and fight, coward? A coward who will win. Yes, you strike this form down, and I will return again and again and again. You cannot win. You know this child. Well, why don't you come out then? Where are you hiding? You call me coward, yet I cannot see you. I am everything. I am everywhere. The ego on you. If you will not face me, then I will kill your sisters. 
and he grinds his foot on the corpses of some of the dead witches. Oh, asshole. And that brings us to Lonnie. The whole new definition of rubbing it in. Oh. Too soon. Way too, too soon. soon. <laughs> I'm still raging. I mean, I, I think I'm just going to keep hacking at this thing from the outside. Um, I'll, I'll reckless attack again. 26 again to hit. 26 will hit. 14 slashing damage. Okay. My second attack is a 20 exactly to hit. That will hit. 14 slashing damage. And then butt end of the halberd as part of polearm mastery. That is 27. And that does 7 bludgeoning damage. You whack it a couple times and you're denting the exterior of the statue when you smack it with your halberd. It's starting to look a little beat up. And now that brings us to our favorite dinosaur. So Angelica is lying prone after the massive fall. Not dead somehow. So she spends her movement standing up. And then she spots like a teeny tiny little blood smear on the ground where Pika landed. And just bellows in rage. And she will do a tail attack on the statue. I I do like how you considered bringing back the goose. (laughs) (laughs) I have animal intelligence right now. I rolled a 14. You whip your tail and it hits the foot of the statue, but it doesn't seem to have any effect. On the bright side, Pika broke your fall. Yeah, (laughs) I would have taken extra damage if Pika hadn't done it. This fight must end in one minute so I could bring him back. Alright, well, start counting the rounds from below you or next to you in the case of you, Ames. You hear Akrataki. Ah! You! Help me to my feet! <laughs> yes. There we go. He's being held up by two of the Arakokra warriors. Clumsily pulls both of the swords from his back, and he's holding them. Like, they've got him under each arm, and he's holding the swords outward, like, around their necks. Okay. Bring me closer. And they walk him up there. He lets out a loud squawk. The swords glow, and he begins to grow. And suddenly, he's 12 feet tall. He pushes one of the Aarakocra to the side, swings at the foot of the statue, and he misses, and then falls to the ground. It is your turn, Adam. So if I look up, I can see, like, up the neck into the head, right? You can. I want to fly up there, see if there's anything interesting. You're joining Anka for the head-stabbing party? You fly up into the head, and you seem to find yourself surrounded by blue light. It feels cold. Dark. It's uncomfortable. Anka, do you know where we are? Renitad? No, no, the other thing. We're in the danger zone. And he shoots an arrow. <laughs> There's not that much room in the head. That's unfortunate, because I rolled a one. Mm. Sweet Jesus. We're all gonna die. Uh, you can roll damage on that, please. I'm assuming I'm not gonna hit this thing. Sort of. Sort of. 13 points of damage. You fire your arrow, but there's not that much room in the head. And you don't know if it's because the metal here is thicker, or maybe just the arrow hit it at an odd angle. But it actually ricochets off of the interior of the head and hits Anka for nine Ugh. points of damage. Spare me the competence of the birds. And then I make my second attack. 
Oh, uh, which is not gonna cut it. I think I will go back down into the small room. That's as wise. You begin to drift downward into the chest, and all of a sudden, the metal around you begins to heat and glow. And on the outside, you see this as well, as the metal begins to get hotter and begins to glow orange in some places. Anka, it's getting very, very hot in there. You're not sure how much longer you could or should remain in here, lest you be roasted. Uh, one of my traits is that I'm immune to extreme temperatures. Oh, yeah, that's right. Oh, well, okay. So, so you're feeling fine. fine. <laughs> the bird, however, is, well... You're about to be cooked. But you can't move right now because it is not your turn. But inside, you feel the entire statue lurch as it swings downwards. And from the outside, you see one of its enormous fists heading towards the ground. Heading towards the dinosaur. No! What is it about being 60 feet long that makes me such a big target? <laughs> Gee. <laughs> Try swatting the gnats flying around you instead. The fist connects with you, and you take 20 points of damage. Ow. And the hot metal ignites some of your skin, and you begin to burn. Ooh. And you take an additional four points of damage from the burning. Oh my god. <laughs> and the fire is not out. Okay, just for out-of-character reference, I have one HP of dinosaur <laughs> points. <laughs> the rest of you... Oh, beautiful. ...in the citadel. I don't know. Does it smell bad or does it smell... I think, you know what? I think to the birds, maybe this isn't smelled too bad. It smells good in here. I think we should ask the paleontologist. Yes, let's ask the paleontologist. <laughs> what does roast dinosaur taste like? <laughs> Probably tastes like roast chicken. I mean, here's the deal. Alligator, as I understand it, pretty much tastes like chicken. So phylogenetically, chickens taste like chicken. Alligators taste like chicken. If you interpolate, yeah. Yeah, I chicken. love it. So the question is, would their Aarakocra bird people find this ancient ancestor appetizing? Yeah, and some people eat actual monkeys. Like grass-fed. <laughs> it was free-range. Technically, it's never eaten before. Free range. Free range, about 200 feet of range. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't even confined by a floor. And with its other attack, it is going to launch a necrotic orb at Akrataki. It's not Akrataki's day. The orb explodes into the ground, hitting Akrataki true. The violet energy courses through him. He shudders and spasms on the ground. The two Aarakocra next to him, who were helping him, also spasm and then hold still, never to move again. Anka, it is your turn. Alright, so this thing is still superheating, and I'm going to take advantage of that and cast a tidal wave inside of it so that it super cools that and makes it extra brittle. That's The deck save is 17 on that. So we're not going to have roast chicken, we're going to have steamed chicken. Mm -hmm. Weirdly came very close to passing that, but since it has a minus one deck as it is, it actually fails it. Good. So it's going to take 4d8 bludgeoning damage and then fall prone. Fall prone. Oh. Which, for this thing, I think it's just dazed, but... Okay, roll damage. 28. Describe exactly what happens. So there is this lurching, and Anka's flying with it when she notices that hot metal is coming at her face, because like she's resistant to a lot, but that might not do it. So as she's falling with this thing, she's getting really pissed off because she's been taunted by this and she's been shot with an arrow and 
enough is enough. And she lashes out with her fists and sends a torrential volume of water outwards from her in uh, 360 degrees to clash against this molten inside. And steam starts hissing out everywhere. Adam, I'd like you to make a dexterity check as well, please. Cool. Not too bad. 21. So you're there floating in the center of his chest. You look upwards and suddenly you see this torrential wall of water heading straight towards you. Thankfully, you have quick reflexes and you shoot out the armhole before it can trap you at the bottom of the statue. Does he take any damage? Is it half damage? Half damage, but you're not knocked prone. Okay, Adam, so you still do take half damage. 28, so you take 14. Cool. Yeah, 14, sorry. I can math. You know, it's funny. Whenever people complain about me doing damage to them, they always turn around and do more damage to me. <laughs> I mean, it wasn't And they call it an accident. Well, so is shooting me, so... It just seems to happen with a fair bit of rapidity. <laughs> Next round, another accident happened. Lonnie, that brings us to you. Still raging. Uh, not thrilled that this thing is trying to kill my king. So, fucking chop chop, motherfucker. Still raging, still still being reckless with my attacks, because why not? This thing is huge. 24. That hits. Plus, oh, an 18 does not hit, does it? It does not. So I'll use my bonus attack. 23. That will hit. Total of 19 damage inflicted. You strike it several times, and between the water sloshing around inside and the brittle metal and the half-broken arm, it's looking a little worse for wear. It's staggering. Steam is pouring out of its joints. When it moves, you hear the sloshing sound, and you think you may have it on its last legs. That's right, that's what you get. <laughs> Angelica. Bronto Angelica is on death's door and is terrified and lashing out angrily. She is just like stomping around, trying to put the fire out and slashing her tail and legs and... Uh, so that is a stomp attack, which, let's see how that goes. 14 to hit. Unfortunately, your stomp attack does not connect. Then that's all she's doing. She's just flailing around like a wild beast and apparently missing everybody. Oh, and she has proved a remarkably effective meat shield. She is quite the tank, yeah. Adam. Ravermick gives a little grin and he says, I'm not happy if I'm not going Mach 2 with my hair on fire. Feathers, feathers. And then um, he's going to angle where he can hit the head again, and he's gonna he's gonna use the sharp shooting skill. Nope, that one goes wide, fires again, and that one goes wide. He misses with both shots. He's still a little dazed from the near miss with the tidal wave. He's smoking a little, yeah. <laughs> and singed, and, and it's just enough to throw his aim off. Yeah, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. Having seen your stomp attack, the statue decides to return in kind. Uh-oh. Once you're reduced to zero, you just go back to your other form, right? Overflow damage goes into my normal hit points. Oh, good. Okay, that's what I want to hear. <laughs> <laughs> what I should do is, after this, wild shape into a new giant beast with another 60 hit points or so. <laughs> I think Diana might skin you. <laughs> the, the statue jumps with both feet. <laughs> <laughs> it stomps down on you for 28 points of oh, damage. ouch. Okay, I, I'm still alive. And it breaks you out of your dinosaur form. It does. But 
you find yourself to still be on fire. Oh no. And you take another two points of fire damage. Ouch. Okay. I'm now picturing this thing like launching a huge kick against the Drontosaurus and it like flies through the air but then gets suddenly very small and like bounces off the wall. Uh, she is looking quite beat up right now. And it launches another necrotic orb. No! At Akrataki. Oh my god. <laughs> no, he's not dead? He's not dead. The other two died. He's still hanging on. Well, for now. Um, this may kill him. We'll see. He's prone on the ground. Another orb smacks into him. He shudders. And then he's still. He may be dead. He may not. You can't tell from where you are. So it would be his attack, but he is not going to be able to attack. So that brings us to Anka. I would like to do Flame Blade and kind of cut my way out. Just carve a new hole for me to escape and maybe kill this thing. That'd be super dope. Okay. I'd really love that. Uh, that's a 22. That will hit. 17. So close. Is it an, at least enough to like cut through so that I'm outside of the statue again? You swing your blade and the rest of you on the outside see the black dragon face of the statue fall off and tumble to the ground. And there, floating inside its head, is Anka. Lightsaber on. <laughs> okay, Lonnie, it's up to you. Oh, it's still moving. Barely from the sound of it. I assumed if it didn't have a head, it was kind of done. But Well, it lost its face, but no, it oh, is not. Oh, lost its face. It is like shuddering with the water and the steam, and it's even whistling as steam escapes from various gaps, and the whole thing is shaking. Fuck you! Reckless attack. Oh, damn it! So close. Uh, 21 will hit. That is 16 damage. That will kill it. Why don't you tell me what you do? Yeah, so this thing's face melts off, and Anka is floating there. Lonnie takes... That is a signal to go absolutely apeshit, as though he wasn't <laughs> doing that already, and flits from arm to arm and just hacks off one limb, then the other, then dives down, sweeps his halberd through the abdomen, comes back up around, and takes the back of the head off. You take the back of the head off. Anka, you are free. The remaining statue begins to shake and shudder violently. The blue light that once occupied its head screams skyward through the hole into, well, you can't see where. And then the statue explodes outwards. I would like everybody to make a dexterity check, except for Anka. Oh, god damn it. Four dexterity check. 18. Angelica's not too dexterous after 140 damage. 14. The statue explodes outwards. Adam, despite your maneuvering and acrobatics and aeronautic skill, you can't avoid the debris. You end up taking 23 points of damage. Stay on target. I'm pretty sure Angelica's dead now. Angelica, you also take 23 points of damage. Dead. Angelica is dead. Well, unconscious. <laughs> Not yet. Just just <laughs> close to dead. Show what you know. It's mostly dead. The shrapnel catches Angelica, and she falls to the ground. Many of the Aarakocra and the witches are also caught in the blast and fall. Maybe a handful on either side 
remain airborne. The remaining Arakokra are tending to Akrataki, who is not looking good. He is missing his leg below his knee, and Ooh. his feathers are singed, and looks like one of his wings may be broken. He's in bad shape. Uh, what happened with Anka? Anka was essentially in the eye of the storm, so the statue exploded outwards, and she was essentially unaffected because she was at ground oh. zero. Yeah, I was like, she's either fine or she just got completely obliterated and there's nothing left, like vaporized. Yeah, she's completely fine. Okay, cool. Steaming water fills the chamber. Some of the dead, especially the Aarakocra, slide and float along its heated currents. Steaming metal, like jagged barbs, sticks up from the water, making it for very treacherous walking should someone try. The group of you gather around Akrataki. The Aarakocra healers seem optimistic. Some of the witches are going amongst the fallen, healing who they can, saying silent prayers for those they can't. You feel jubilant, celebratory, but it's cold comfort looking at the carnage around you. A moment passes. You catch your breath. In Anka, you look around and realize... Roxiel has been missing the entire time. Will the victorious birds buzz the tower? Are they still dangerous? Have they lost that loving feeling? Find out next time on Multiclass Theater. Damn it, what was Cougar's... Uh, what was Cougar's Rio? Because that would make the most. But I mean, they would. Merlin. No, Merlin. Merlin was it Merlin? Because he ends up. Because he ends up flying with Mav at the end. Yeah, I thought it was Merlin because that's Tim Robbins, right? Yeah, yeah. It's Cougar. Is it was? Is that what it is? Because Cougar burn. Because Cougar burns out. Cougar, Cougar burns out. And, they, and then they reassign. Okay. Man, it's Cougar awesome burned out. That. Couldn't hack it. Turned in his wings. I've seen that movie too many times. No such thing. Yeah, I was gonna say, is there such a thing? Mostly fast forward while the fighter jet stuff, but at least when I was you, like, you don't tiny. pause on the beach volleyball scene. Like, That's the only scene that matters. <laughs> That's right, Ice Man. I am dangerous. Okay. <laughs> also unrelated, in junior high school, I was Colonel Greylag in the musical Honk. Now I don't know if you know the musical Honk, but it is I an adaptation. Not. It's an adaptation of the Ugly Duckling story. And at Aww. the end of Act 1, Colonel Greylag shows up with his squadron of geese and tells the ugly duckling that he's going to go off and find his mother. And then he flies off and gets shot by a bunch of hunters. <laughs> <laughs> That's the last oh my God. of Colonel Greylag. And, I, and I, I just feel a little bit of symmetry of life right now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's horrifying. It's, it's a pretty dark moment. It's a play for kids? <laughs> and adults.
I mean, there's a great upbeat song about it, about how they're going to go find his mother before they all get shot off stage. I mean, I know like Bambi, Bambi also, you know, Hans Christian Andersen was a dark, dark man. I mean, there were demons there. Yeah. Also, all the Grim Tales. Oh, all of them. Yeah. In retrospect, like all the times that I've introduced Goose as my wingman, I was just like holding him under my arm. <laughs> <laughs> like a prized goose. Like a I have the need for speed and then like wing on wing. <laughs> literally taking him under your wing. Yeah. Yeah. Literally. I just like that Goose was part of the elite squadron chosen by the king of the archive. <laughs> we are four best fighters and goose. And the goose <laughs> I think it was a package deal. <laughs> like like if we wanted the goose we had to take Rav, so there you go. <laughs> wait. <laughs> so my goose was the one who was the prime fighter. <laughs> yeah, you, you really wouldn't want to get him mad. That bird is dynamite. Was. Yeah. Absolutely oh. horrible. Now I'm sad. Um, <laughs> All right. Yeah, so. Ravramick's definitely going to run, run over to Goose and weep over his limp body. Honestly, better hope that... Um, <laughs> You guys win this one, or the the Akrotaki are never going to forgive the witches. <laughs> Losing two kings in as many fights? Oh, how is that my fault? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe they need better fighters for kings. This should stop using geese as their main line of defense. <laughs> Good diplomacy, Anka, as usual. <laughs> Fuck your geese. <laughs> or goose. I mean, honestly, I contemplated chucking the goose down there first, so... You have a little bit of diplomacy. Just a little. <laughs> Enough. <laughs> if Brontosaurus is a, a dinosaur, like, is it, that... It is a beast. I looked it up. It's on d, &D. No, Beyond it's more like, is that a real dinosaur now or not? Last I heard, um, there was argument for reviving the genus as valid and splitting Apatosaurus into two because of some anatomical stuff that doesn't so i mean yes <laughs> yes we're is, gonna say yes yes the referee has decreed yes 